So we're going to learn about the uh, test that Hashem gave to Avram Avinu. Hashem gave Avram Avinu ten tests, and this week, at the end of this week's Torah portion, it talks about the tenth test. What was the tenth test? Hashem told Avram to bring his son Yitzchak as a sacrifice to Hashem. And Avram, of course, listened to Hashem and uh, as we read in the end of the Torah, end of this week's Torah portion. Question all the commentaries ask, as the Ram asks in the uh, Guide to Perplexed, what was the point of this test? It's a very unusual test. It's very different than the other tests. He told Avram to do something that he didn't actually want him to do. He told him to bring him as a sacrifice and didn't ha- end up happening that way. So the Ramam says, the Ramam says that there's two possible explanations about why Hashem gave Avram this, this, uh, this test. One explanation is that Hashem wanted to, um, to publicize to, to us, so we should know, um, how far we have to be dedicated to Hashem. By him telling Avram Avinu that he should even give up, give up his son, Rama says, can you imagine someone who was barren for so many years, then he finally has a child, and how hard it would be to give that child's life up. So Rama says that, that you could imagine what kind of, uh, what kind, how, how, how kind of deep uh, grief that would cause this person, and, and despite that, Hashem says, I want you to do this anyways, and he does this, you can imagine um, what kind of dedication that requires. So the purpose of this, of this test was to express how dedicated we have to be to the serve Hashem. That's what the Maimonides writes in Guide to Perplex. He writes another reason. He also writes that the purpose of this, of this was to, um, to let us know how strongly the prophets believe in their prophecy. Although only Moshe Rabbeinu had this face-to-face discussion with Hashem, and Avon Vinu says all the prophets, it was through riddles, it was in a vision, it was in a dream, and so you might say that they, uh, their, their vision was, uh, they trusted it somewhat, but they weren't like, really sure about it. When you see that Avram Avinu uh, actually went to offer his son as a sacrifice, that tells you that they really trusted what they heard from Hashem. That's how, how the Ram explains the purpose of that kingdom. And uh, although there was, there was no one there present when Avram offered Yitzchak, even the uh, two lads that accompanied Avram to the mountain also weren't there. But the, it, the, the Torah says this was to publicize something, but it wasn't to publicize it at that time, it was to publicize to future generations uh, these two points. That's what the Ramam says. And that's why it was a th- there was a three-day wait. Shemtol Avram Vino to bring him as a sacrifice. And for three days, he had to travel to get to the mountain. The purpose of three-day traveling was people might say, oh, he was impulsive, he heard this from Hashem, and he wasn't really sure what to, what to do, and just like did something without thinking. So Hashem made him travel for three days so that it should be clear that this wasn't just an impulsive decision, but it was something that he really was, 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 uh, was dedicated. Let me ask you a question. Uh, okay, so just jump forward to Moshe Rabbeinu, okay? The greatest prophet of all, okay? Would he have accepted such a, such a decision? When, when, when Rabbi Shlele said, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm very angry, I'm punishing these people. And Moshe said, I'm not a part of your, your wagon, take me off the wagon, get out of here. 
So Avram Avinu says, doesn't say that. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Do what you tell me I'm doing. So there's, there's, a, there's, a very big, there's a big difference between the two, okay? Wow. I'm not sure whether Mo, would, 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 would Moshe, would Moshe Rabbeinu accept such a, such a sack from, from Rabbi Shalom? Listen, your son, you want to get a kid? Moshe would, Moshe would say, listen, if this, if this is what you have about, okay, then they, if my, my son, then you know what? This is not for me, correct? You know? You know? Kill an Egyptian, yeah. But my, 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 my Nashama, you, you're asking me, this is too much, I can't, I can't do it, okay? No, you're, you're, you're asking a very good question. I, I, don't, I, I never thought of that question. It's a great question. Um, what, one, one difference between um, these two scenarios is that, that Hashem, um, the, the emphasis in the story of Meisha Abinu, is that Meisha Abinu gave up his connection to Torah to save the Jewish people. He threw down the, the tablets to protect the Jewish people. Yeah. So he, he the, the question was the Torah or the Jewish people? And he says that the Jewish people are, are more precious to me than the Torah. Um, but here there's a um, commandment of Hashem, and Moshe Benu actually had to punish many of the Jews who served the idol, and he and he did punish them. He did kill them. Um, so, so there is, uh, in fact, in the story of the sin of the golden calf, we find a different question. Uh, from the opposite end, um, the Torah says in Zeis Abracha that there were many Levim who had to kill their their uh, family. It says the children of Levi should go kill all the sinners. And many Levim began to kill, kill their their cousins. You know, their, their their mother was not a Levi, and 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 they and they didn't hesitate to do what Hashem asked them to do. So um, the question is, what, what's so great about what Avram Vino did? If we find in history many other people who gave their lives. Unfortunately, there are no Jewish saints. No Jewish saints because by other religions there was a story. There was a story. One person gave their life for their religion. By the Jews, there are whole, the Crusaders killed whole towns, for example. And not just the Crusaders, but throughout history, there was, there was men, women, and children gave their life rather than, than give up their, their Yiddishkeit. So what's the big deal about Avram? You know, we mention him every single day. Some say that what was unique about Avram was that it wasn't him, it was he, it was, he killed his, his, it was going to kill his son. But also in the story of the Levim. He also wants to kill his progeny, his continu- the continuation of the Jewish people. He, he wipes Yitzhak out, okay? Nobody and, else. And, and then it's, it's what's going to happen? So, so Chana actually told Hashem, she said, you, Avram brought one Akedah, I brought, in the story of Chana and her seven sons, in the story of Hanukkah, she said, you, Avram only brought one, I brought seven Akedahs. Like, so, so, so the, what's, what's unique about Avram? So some say that what was unique about Avram was that, uh, actually Chassidus says, what was unique about Avram was that he was the first. He was the first one to give his life Russia. But if, if that's what the point is, the language Chassidus uses is he opened up the pipeline of sacrifice. He was psichas atzinner. He opened up the, the gateway, the pipeline of sacrifice. It sounds like it wasn't there before in the world, this ability of sacrifice. And Avram Avinu brought this to the world. So what, what does that mean? It wasn't here and he brought it here. And also, Avram Avinu had ten challenges. By, this was the tenth. So if we're talking about being the first, 
Then let's talk about his first test. Let's talk about when he was a child and his father uh, brought him to the king Nimrod and said to the king, this guy is very dangerous, you should kill him. And Avram Avinu uh, remained uh, steadfast that he's going to die rather than uh, denounce his belief in Hashem. So his sacrifice uh, for the sake of Hashem didn't begin in the story of the Akedas. If we're talking about being the first, so Avram Avinu did other acts of sacrifice prior to this. So, so we're still left with what's unique about this, this, this last challenge. So much so, the Medrash actually uses the words, please pass this test, Hashem says. In, in the first verse over there, it says, please take your son. And the Medrash says, why does God say please? And the Medrash says, God says, I want you to pass this test. Because if you don't pass this test, everyone will say all the other tests. There are no mamashas, there's no substance to them. Now, What's unique about this test on the surface, different than the other tests? You, you might, Avram Avinu was a, so um, kind, so refined, so wonderful, so, so giving, so loving. It says in the Sefer HaBoyer, it says that God's attribute of kindness, complained to God and said to God, in the day that you created uh, the world, I've been serving you. I've been, God, the attribute of God's kindness has been channeling God's kindness to the world. But the moment that Avram has been born, I got nothing to do. He's, he's channeling your kindness. So it's possible to think that all of Avram's actions until that point, they all were for the sake of his kindness, his love. And this is the first time that Avram had to, to do something different. He had to, to do something which, which exhibited his, his fear of Hashem, his devotion to do a, go against his love, against his kindness. And that's why... On the surface, that's why this is the, the challenge, which which tells you something different about him that that, that you didn't know before. Till now, you could say he was everything he did was out of love, out of kindness. Here is something that requires an opposite feeling. Here is something that requires the opposite of love, and still he did it. That's that that's, that shows you that Avraham Avinu was really devoted to Hashem because he he went against his nature. That's that's what some commentaries offer. That was unique about this test. He went against his nature, but. The, the language of the, of the Medrash, which says, please pass this test, or everyone will say there's nothing in the first tests, so it, it sounds like there's something else entirely different over here, that there's something else over here, because you, you can't say about the first tests that they're nothing. You could say there's something unique about this test. You have to go against his nature. But you can't say the first tests are nothing. The language of the Medrash has some other kind of yardstick it's using. And that's why it's saying all the first nine tests are zero. And this test is something. So, let's go back to the language of Chassidus for a second. It was the test that opened the channel of sacrifice. It brought something to the world that wasn't there before. We find a few other examples in, in history of, of various tzaddikim who did something that introduced something to the world that wasn't there before. Um, for example, it's about the Mizitcha Magid. Sometimes the Magid would say Torah, and no one knew what he was saying. No one understood it. And he said that he's saying these teachings just to bring them into the world. The Rebbe said something similar once. Uh, in, 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 I don't remember the exact date, but the Rebbe said something similar. That the, the custom I ha- that he, the Rebbe has of late is to say, just bring things into the world of speech. Just to say, just to bring things into the world through his speech. There's this famous story with the, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, Beis Yasef. Beis Yasef had an angel that taught him Torah. And 
The Reisayasif once stayed up a, 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 at night, and the, actually the mentioned story last week, as Abzev uh, pointed out, I mentioned the story very often. It's a good story. Um, the, he, he discovers this, this, this passage in Talmud that is inexplainable, and he works really hard, and he gets the explanation, and he meets someone in, these, in the synagogue, and he wants to share with him this incredible insight that he has is of, this, of this, this passage in Talmud that can't be explained. And he goes over to this guy and tells him, I want to share with you something that I just discovered. He tells him the question. The other guy says, why can't you just say this? And the guy told, said the, the, off the bat, without even thinking, this, this incredible insight that Beis took a whole night to figure out. Or maybe more, I think it was a few days even. So the Beis thought to himself, if this guy knows this answer off the bat, it must have, this must mean that my gift that I have for understanding Torah was taken away. If he knows this off the bat, then it must mean that, that my gift of... So he asked the angel, who taught him Torah, did, did I lose something here? So the angel said, you didn't lose anything. The reason this guy knew, what you, knew, knew this was because you brought something new in the world. This, you, by bringing this, this answer into the world, now everyone can learn it. Since you made such an effort and you brought this new Torah teaching in the world, you understood it. So now it's accessible. You brought this, this, this information in the world, now it's accessible. Similar thing we learned last week, the Al-Trebbe was addressing the question of the, of the passing of a tzaddik in, the, in Tanya. So the Rebbe says that when you have different kinds of questions, but if there's such a question that's so weighty that, that makes all the questions, uh, it holds, it, it makes all the questions stronger because it, it's like the foundation of all questions. So therefore the Al-Trebbe, un, un, unusually in Tanya, doesn't just explain this, but he, he writes... Chapter tw- le- uh, the letter twenty seven in Tanya, in Gersakodesh, he adds an explanation for this explanation. He has a beer on the beer, it, and the reason is, other he, he, says he, he wants to bring into the world this information, so that so that this question shouldn't be something that weighs on the Chassidim. Even though the said that it still weighs on us, but still the author wanted to to change the atmosphere in the world and to make this to make this more palatable, maybe make to make this more livable. So, so even though we don't understand it, but the al brought this into the world. This explanation, and, and, and once you, they give the example, lifting up a house. You know, if, you want to, if you want to raise a building, you have to raise it from the bottom of the building. So by answering the hardest of questions about the passing of the tzaddik, that makes all the questions in Chassidus more, more easy, easily, um, easier to, to explain. Anyways, getting back to, to all of Avram, when you say you open up the pipeline of sacrifice, what does that mean? He, he gave up his life, he gave up his son's life. It says that when Avram and Yitzhak were walking to Akedah, you know what they were doing? While they were walking to Akedah for three days, the previous service said, can you imagine the previous service says, the joy that he had walking together. So such a father, such a son, walking together. Can you imagine what kind of joy? Uh, Bible critics talk about the story and they, uh, they ruin it. And they, and they make it sound like it was, Avram was very cold and this and distant. But you see in the story, you see a lot of romance in the story. A lot of, lot of uh, unusual relationship. Father, yes, my son. Why? Where is the lamb? Ah, my son. There's, there's. He calls him my son. He's my father. It, that's just an aside. Getting back to our subject. What did Avram bring to the world that wasn't there before? What does it mean he brought something to the world that wasn't there before? What wasn't there? Why did they bring something into the world? Why can can't people just be able to to give their lives for things? So the author writes these words in Torah. He says, it's possible to give up your life because you want to get Ganeidim. A person gives up his life 
And he says, I know I'll give up my life here. And when I do, I'm going to get Gandhi. The Altar says, that's not sacrifice. That's business. I'll give up this and I'll get something better. Similarly, um, all acts of, of so-called sacrifice could be rationalized, could be explained, could be for, for certain, could be for some kind of gain, a spiritual gain, a physical gain, an ideological gain. A, a, a human being, Altenberg says, is incapable of doing something higher than, than himself. Altenberg says, if there's a rationale, if there's logic, it's not sacrifice. A human being, Altenberg gives he says these words, just like when someone's in prison, they can't free themselves. It's impossible to free yourself when you're in prison. Or uh, you can't lift yourself up by pulling your hair, right? is not give that example. But I tried that a few times. It hasn't worked. So... You can't free yourself, right? It's impossible to free yourself. You need someone else to free you. So similarly, the author says, a human being can't do something that is contrary to his existence. Our, our center of gravity is ourselves. Whatever we do has, is, always, is always a mirror back to ourselves. Mendel Futtafas used to say, wherever we turn, there's a selfish motive. There's always a motive. So a human being can't do that. But Avram Avinu, he brought something godly in the world something otherworldly. He, he, he brought something from Hashem into the world. What did he bring from Hashem? He brought this idea of something beyond existence, beyond self, beyond ego. A human being actually can't do something which is not self-based. It's impossible. It always goes back to you. But Hashem gave Avram in that moment something otherworldly. It says actually the Avram put Yitzchak on top of the wood. So it says in Kabbalah, what wood did he put him on top of? The wood from the tree of knowledge. After, in the tree of life. After the sin of the tree of knowledge, every human being is, is jaded is in some way by that sin, and there's, there's some, some kind of selfishness there, and some kind of ego there. And so in this action of Avram, he was able to jump to a time and to a, to a space in himself that, that wasn't affected by the sin of the tree of knowledge. It was totally selfless. But what was, what was so self... If, if what was unique about it was the fact that Hashem imbued this with this beauty of Ram, with something otherworldly, something godly, so that was also Aaron's first test. Aaron's first test in the, in, when he was thrown into the fire. There was also... Avram was the first to jump into the fire. And actually, Chesedah says that in that action of jumping in the fire or being thrown in the fire in Urkastim, Avram Vinu opened the channel then. So why does Mendes say that this is the test? This is the number one test. You have to say that, yes, Avram opened the channel of sacrifice with his first test, but the last test revealed something that the first test didn't. There's something in the last test that, that Avram had by offering Yitzhak on the Akedah that revealed what he had accomplished with test number one. So, in other words, Avram Avinu actually channeled God's light of sacrifice of this otherworldly, godly power to, to go beyond yourself. Avram Avinu brought that to the world with his first test. We only see that godly power in the tenth test. Why? There have been many people in history, not just Jews, also non-Jews, who have given their life for their ideology, for their, for their religion, for their belief. And they wanted to publicize their belief they wanted to to you know, to to uh, show that that 
how great their, their ideology is, that they're ready to die for their ideology. But that's not really Mesiris Nefesh. That's not really something otherworldly. That's doing something for the sake of promoting their ideology. In this instance of the Akedah, as you mentioned before, Avram Avinu is killing his progeny. That means not only was Avram Avinu not promoting his ideology, he was ruining it. He was ruining what he gave his, what his whole life was about. Uh, let me unpack this for a second. If I'm giving up my life because of some kind of material gain, some kind of spiritual gain, because I'm going to get Ganeidin, that's obviously not Mr. Snapfish. I'm doing that because it's logical. I'm doing this because it makes sense. I'm going to get something. That's not Mr. Snapfish. That's, that's business. If I'm doing it because of my, promoting my ideology, that's also, it's more refined, it's, more, it's, more, it's deeper, but it's also limited. It's also, it's also um, logical. In Avraham Avinu offering Yitzhak on Akedah, there's no one around. So it wasn't for promoting his ideology. At the most of what it was about was he believed in this very strongly. He believed in this so strongly to the point of sacrifice. He believes in his ideology to the point of sacrifice. But so, so, so in other words, it's personal. His dedication to what he believes in. So by, by other nations, we don't find that kind of, kind of thing. In other nations, you find a Gandhi or whatever who says, I'm going to give my life to promote what I believe in. This is something holy. In Avraham Avinu saying, Hashem says this, I will do what Hashem says no matter what. In that action, there's this exhibition of something holy, that it makes sense to Avram that for the sake of his belief in Hashem, he's going to do all the way for the sake of his belief in Hashem. That, that, that's, that's logical. It's that logic of a human being. It's logic of a neshama, but it's still logic, it's still limited in being something which could be explained in logic. But because Avraham Avinu um, was actually ruining his own ideology, he was destroying it. It's identical to Hashem telling a person, "Take your tzitzis, take your tefillin, and throw them in the fire, burn them." That, 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 that's what Hashem was telling Avraham Avinu, saying, "Everything you gave your life for, everything you believe in, you should destroy it." So, so here, the, 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 the reason he did this is obvious that there, there was no explanation, nothing human, nothing, not just human, nothing, nothing even, like last uh, week we were learning about the animal soul and the godly soul, and we learned how Hashem told Avraham Avinu to leave his land and his birthplace and his father's house, and Chassidus explains that your land means your desires, don't do what you want to do, go away from what you want to do, leave your feelings, leave your thoughts, so the Rebbe said that there's two layers of that. There's our godly soul and our animal soul. Our animal soul has feelings and thoughts and desires. So does our godly soul. And Hashem told Avraham to leave the godly soul too. Do what Hashem wants you to do. And where do you see an expression of that? So that happened every... So Avraham was there every step of the way. Where do you see an expression that there's nothing within his neshama either, what his neshama wants either? You see it in the Akedah. In the Akedah you see an expression of, of, of... It's just the will of Hashem. There's nothing else. And... It's, and, and and because of the will of Hashem, so he's doing something not, that, 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 that you can't be traced back to himself, just because Hashem wants. So it's a great story. It's a great, great story of heroism. But Hashem tells us to read the story every day. The reason he tells us to read, us to read the story every day is, just like in the story of the Beis Yasef, once he, once he brought it to the world, came accessible, so too the purpose of, of, us, of Avram doing this and us reading the story is that it shouldn't be a story. I don't know if you said the Living Torah last night. 
in living Torah last night, there was something which, uh, which was very surprising to me that I never heard before. That was said that people think that divine providence uh, was more revealed in previous times. People could see more divine providence. That says you could see it now more. Now divine providence is more revealed now. So in a similar way, um, before the coming of Mashiach, it says that Messias Nefesh is something which is more, uh, I don't know whatever the word is, natural, but it's more prevalent, it's more, we, have, we have access to it. Precisely because we don't have as sophisticated a mind and a heart as previous generations, so it, it says that the, de- the depth of our neshama is more revealed. Like some people, you don't, they, they may not be able to explain to you uh, physics, right? But, but you see more neshama in them, you see more soul in them, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So in a similar way, our generation, compared to the previous generations, we, we, we don't have, we, we're, we're, we're missing everything. We don't have any minds, we don't have any hearts. But on the other hand, because of that, we have more mysterious nefesh. We have more in, we're more in touch with the essence of our nesham. And that's why we read the story every day of the Akedah. The purpose of reading the story is to inculcate within us this idea that it's not a story. That, this, that we're able every day to, to, to do things for the sake of Hashem until... Uh, until coming Mashiach, we make it actually have to tip the scale. And we're, we're now empowered in this moment, of, last moment of Golas, to do things for the sake of the Abishter, for the sake of Hashem, without it tracing back any signs, of, any any any, uh, any motives. That's that's it. Yeah. If I remember correctly, both, and I don't know why the tree of life is included. I I I the tree of knowledge, but I don't know why the tree of life is included. It must be the tree of life that was also similar. It maybe has a similarity to the godly soul. It also has a limitation to how holy it is. And that's why it's beyond the tree of life as well. Uh, but um, elsewhere, Chassidah says the tree of life represents the infinite. So I'm not so sure that I said this correctly. And why it would be beyond the tree of life is if the tree of life represents the infinite. Um, as we, learned, we once learned in the Zohar, the Zohar says that the, the one who gathered the wood was measuring the tree of life against the tree of knowledge. And he said the tree of life is, is bigger. The tree of no- I'm sorry, the tree of knowledge is bigger because he once felt that everything has to be le- limited and explained and measured. But uh, for sure, I, I have to look it up, but um, certainly it was above the tree of knowledge and if it was above the, above the tree of life, I don't know why it was above the tree of life. The tree of life is the idea of the Akedah, it is the idea of being infinite. That's what I wanted to share today. Any questions, comments, criticism? I can always count on you for criticism. Come on. <laughs> you know, the greatest Kedusha in this is with us today. Avramu. The man. Avramus. He's the Kedush of the Shul. You know that? The holy man in the Shul. Thank you for joining us, Avramu. We're learning all about you, about Avram. Special guy. <laughs>